But today we're going to talk about what I think is the most important topic we could ever discuss, and that's salvation. What does Cross Point Fellowship believe about salvation? And what I will tell you is we believe what the Bible says. I could just stop the sermon there, but uh, we'll dive in a little deeper. Um, I think that you're going to find me pretty passionate today because I am pretty passionate about this subject. I do know that sometimes my passion comes off as anger. Uh, I'm going to try to have smile breaks um, and just want you to know that overall I'm not mad. I just really think that this is an absolutely important topic. And so I know sometimes I get a little fiery with it, but uh, just know there's no anger here. It's just passion. Okay? But without question, there's nothing more significant than establishing a relationship with Jesus. And so today we're going to discuss the who, what, why, when, how, all those questions surrounding salvation. And uh, again, I will start by saying I think that that's the most important decision that we could ever make, the decision to follow Jesus. So let's begin with our statement on salvation in our core beliefs. It says all people have sinned and will sin. The due punishment for this rebellion against God is eternal death, which is separation from God. The only way to restore our relationship with God is by accepting the gift of grace through faith that Christ provided through his death and resurrection. Therefore, anyone who accepts this free gift by submitting their life to Christ, his teachings, and repenting from their sins shall inherit eternal life. And we do have some scriptural references up there. There's a lot more that we could have placed, and I'm going to go through some of those. Uh, I will tell you today that this is not an extensive sermon on salvation. I had to do a lot of pruning just to try to make sure that I didn't keep you here for a couple hours because my initial sermon was about mm, 10 to 12 pages long and they're normally about like three, okay? So I didn't want to do that to you today, but I do want to kind of give you um, hopefully a, a, an uh, exhaustive pathway to how you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. So I want to start with who, right? Who? Who needs salvation? Who is salvation for? And uh, I'm going to begin with Romans 3.23, which says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, in Paul's letter to the Romans, he expresses a fundamental truth about all humans, that we are equal in our propensity to sin. We sin. If you're a human being, you sin. If you're a Christian, you sin. If you're not a Christian, you sin. If you're white, yellow, red, black, or brown, if you're from whatever continent you might be from, you sin. We all sin, right? That is a foundational truth. All have fallen short of the glory of God because all of us sin. Now, the Jews that he was... Um, writing to as well as the church in Rome, this message is kind of a conclusive message for everybody that might hear it. The Jews clung to their distinction from the rest of the world like Christians today cling to their distinction from the rest of the world. And I believe that this is prideful and sinful and that we have to stop. We have to stop. Okay, Christians are a label that we apply to ourselves. Christian is a label, I should say, that we apply to ourselves. And I think that that is an important distinction because it tells the world that we do believe in Jesus and we believe in his redemptive work on the cross and we believe that he has died for our sins and we have accepted that gift of grace. I think that it's important, but it's not something to be prideful about. It's not something to be prideful about. And the problem with our church today, and I'm not saying our church, I'm saying the church, right, today, is that we take a lot of pride in our label, a lot of pride in our label. We put our little fish on our cars, and we put it on our business names, and we do all the things because we are Christian. Well, the problem with that is, is that we have the same propensity to sin like everybody else. And we have told the world that we're Christians, 
And when we say it, we're saying, without saying it, we're better than you. That's really what we're saying. I got it all figured out. I'm a Christian, right? And so the world looks at us and they say, well, you guys are a bunch of hypocrites. And you know what? They're right. Because for too long, the church has walked around like their you-know-what does not smell. <laughs> okay? That, that's just what we've done. It's what we've done. And the problem with that is that it always smells. Right? I mean, it's just what it is. It's what it is. The only distinction, if there is one, between Christians and non-Christians is the grace of God. That's it. That's it. The difference between me and the rest of the world is that I have Jesus. But that's not something that I have done. We are not superior in any form or fashion, and we need to make sure that the world knows that. The church consists of as many sinners as the rest of the world, okay? The, the thing is, is, is we sin. We sin. In fact, the Greek for fall short, all fall short, is in the present tense. You know what that tells us? It's a continuous action. Not only have we fallen short, but we are going to continue to fall short. We fall short. We will sin. We are not perfect. And there is nothing that makes us perfect other than the grace of God through Jesus Christ on the cross. And it's not even that we're perfect. It's because of the sacrifice of what Christ did, we are seen as perfect. And that is mind-blowing. And that's something that the world doesn't understand. If there's any difference... Any difference between Christians and non-Christians, it is simply our recognition of sin. It's our recognition of sin. It's our attempt to avoid committing those same sins in the future. Any ability that we have to conquer sin in our life is not of our own means. It did not come from us. It comes from Christ alone. And so we have no reason to boast. We have no reason to boast. Who needs salvation? All of us, because we all sin. Who is salvation for? It's for all of us, because Christ died for all of us, right? More people would come to know Jesus if Christians would stop acting as if we are the means by which our forgiveness was obtained. You've done nothing. I've done nothing. We've done nothing. And there's nothing we can do other than to accept the gift of grace that Christ is offering to all of us. Christ alone, grace alone, right? Now, why? Why is salvation important? Why do we need salvation? All, all the whys around salvation. I want to look at the first half of Romans 6, 23, right? The problem, I, the reason I'm not looking at the second half, which we will do, is because the second half, like, you know, changes things. But you'll see here in a minute if you don't know this verse. Romans 6, 23 tells us the wages of sin is death, right? That's the first half of the verse. The wages of sin is death. As Rodney says, this is pretty straightforward, right? <laughs> we hear that a lot in our salt group. Guys, this is pretty straightforward. And this is pretty straightforward. We all sin. We can't avoid sin. The wages of sin is death. Therefore, we need salvation. That's the why. Because without salvation, we experience eternal damnation, which if is nothing else, it is eternal separation from God. Okay? It is eternal separation from God. And if that's all it is, if that's all it is, if it's not uh, uh, an eternity uh, of being in hell and, and burning to a crisp and, and being tortured and all those things that people paint hell to be, if it's only separation from God, we need to understand that that is enough, right? That is enough because we see every day what separation from God is. We see how sinful the world can be. And I have to tell you, I don't want to live like the world. 
I don't want to experience the pain and the suffering and all of the things that the world can bring. And I would imagine that hell is worse, right? I think that's a fair assumption, that hell is worse. I do not want to be separated from God, okay? But here's why salvation was made available to us, okay? I think this is an important why question to answer. John 10.10 says, the thief comes to only steal, kill, and destroy, I came so that they may have life and have it abundantly. You see, sin is why we need salvation, but not why Christ offered salvation. And I think another reason that the church fails to really uh, get people to understand what salvation is, is because we have used it and taught it as a remedy to avoid hell. It's just about avoiding sin. It's just about avoiding consequences. And that's certainly a benefit right? Certainly a benefit, but it's not why Christ came. He came so that we might live life and live life abundantly. It's not about escaping punishment, although that is something that happens as far as the wages that we have to pay, right? It's not about escaping punishment. It's about experiencing life, okay? It's about experiencing life. So why do we need salvation? We need salvation because we all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God, right? And the wages of sin is death. But Christ offered salvation, came to give salvation so that we might live life abundantly. Okay? And I feel like that is an important distinction. It's about experiencing life. Now, as far as, as what salvation is, there are great news. There, there's great news shared uh, if we continue on in the verses from Romans that we just read. And so I want to do that. Let's look at Romans 3.23 again, but this time I want to add 24, all right? It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by the grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. That gets better, right? We all fall short. We all fall short of the glory of God, but there is a freely obtained gift of grace that brings redemption that came only from Christ Jesus. Now, Romans 6.23, if we read the whole verse, not just the first part, says the wages of sin is death. That's bad, right? That is morbid. That is also true. But then it continues, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the wages of sin is death, but we don't have to experience that death because of what Christ did on the cross. That is what salvation is. Salvation is a free gift of grace one for us on the cross by Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who was God, who was perfect, who was spotless and blameless and went to the cross willingly and shed his blood so that we might experience forgiveness and redemption that could only come through such a sacrifice. Pretty powerful stuff. Now, salvation covers the wages of sin, right? The wages of sin is death. Salvation covers those wages and ensures that we don't receive the punishment that we deserve. That's what salvation is. Now, as far as how salvation is achieved, right? How this is obtained. In John 3, 16, we are told, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Salvation is possible because of the redemptive act of Christ's crucifixion. And I, I want to be very clear that that's the only way that it's possible. 
That's the only way that it's possible. There is a an entire, uh, I don't even know what to call it, sect realm of the church that is starting to kind of shift away from this truth. And the reason they're shifting away from this truth is because it's more palatable and it's easier for them to live with themselves if they just tell everybody everything's fine, right? I mean, I mean that, that's the truth of it. And I, I will tell you, from a human standpoint, I get it. I understand that because I naturally, at my core, uh, while I'm not the nicest human being, we've covered that, I also have this flip side of the coin where I just love people. And I've always been sort of outgoing, and I've always been the one that can just go strike up a conversation. And, and uh, for whatever reason, I know some of you that's not natural for, for me it is. Like we can hang out for the first time and be best friends. Okay, that's just kind of how I work. And I, I love people and I don't want people to experience the wages of sin. I don't want people to um, have to uh, change the things that make them happy. But guess what? Sometimes that's exactly what scripture calls us to do. Okay, all of us, every single one of us, I believe are born into sin. Every single one of us have a different sin struggle from the time that we are we lads and ladies. Okay, every single one of us. We all have a propensity to sin in a certain way. I, I firmly believe that. I've been in ministry long enough. I've been around people long enough. I, I've counseled people long enough to hear about their struggles that they've always had. And, and I just see that sin passes on, okay? Sin passes on through generations. It's just what happens. And we all have these natural leanings, but scripture tells us that we must be born again, right? It, it's not that... Uh, it doesn't recognize the sin struggles that we have. It's just telling us that we must be born again through Christ Jesus and do away with those things in our life that would separate us from him. But I just want to be clear that salvation is possible because of the redemptive acts of Christ's crucifixion in that act alone, that act alone. And just so Christ was clear in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Okay, no one comes to the Father except through me. Salvation is available to all of us who put our faith in Christ, but that's the only way to obtain it. There are lots of great people in our world, lots of great people. I have met non-Christians who reflect Christ, I feel like, at times in their life, more so than some of the Christians that I've come across right? And that should not be, let's be clear about that. That should never be the case. But there are some really great people that we come across in our world that have no connection to Christ whatsoever. And that more so, I feel like, than saving people from their eternal damnation should be our motivation to share Christ with them. Because wouldn't it make more sense that people who reflect the character of Christ should come to know Christ and, and, and experience the forgiveness for the wrongdoing that is in their life, right? And, and I just, I'm very convicted about the way that the church moves. And here at Crosspoint Fellowship, as long as I'm your pastor, and, and I hope that's for a really long time, let's be very clear about that. Like, as in, as long as I'm a pastor, I hope I'm here, okay? I, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. We will always adhere to what the Bible says. Always, always. When I come to a disagreement with Scripture, Scripture wins. I am very convicted about that. And I'll be honest with you, maybe it hasn't always been that way in my life. I've looked for ways to um, 
explain away certain parts of scripture that maybe aren't as um, accepting and open and all those things. But I have learned that it just can't be that way. It just can't be that way because if I'm the barometer for good and evil, we're all in trouble, right? I mean, I'm just telling you, if I'm the barometer for good and evil, every single one of us, we're in trouble, right? It can't be me. And so I rely on the only source of absolute truth that I know, right? Which is what truth is, absolute, by the way. Uh, The only source of truth that I know, which is the word of God. It is his revelation to us. And so for as long as I'm here, that's what we're going to adhere to. And scripture tells us that there's only one way. It's Jesus. Okay. There's only one way. It's Jesus. And I think that outside of that, we need to understand that there are no metrics or measurements or tasks to complete. Those who have experienced salvation will be known by the fruit that they bear, but salvation belongs to and comes from the Lord. Now, as far as the win of salvation, there are a couple things to consider, and I will try to get through them uh, fairly quickly while also spending an appropriate amount of time on them. (laughs) Okay, so these couple things to consider. The first is when should you accept salvation? And the most obvious answer is immediately. Like there's no time like the present, right? If you haven't accepted it now or maybe 30 seconds ago, I don't know. We've all learned in this church Every single one of us knows this also life truth that nothing is guaranteed. Nothing is guaranteed, okay? And that's scary and that's unfortunate and we can live life in fear if we think about it too much, but we are not guaranteed anything other than the last breath that we just took, okay? I mean, that's just life. And so as far as when salvation should be accepted, when we should uh, uh, make that decision, the answer is absolutely positively right now right now. Scripture makes it clear that we are all accountable for our own choices. And there are, there's always the question, what about people who haven't heard about Jesus, right? Well, we get an answer in Romans 1.20. It says, for the invisible attributes, namely the eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. You see, they see the power and the majesty and the presence of God in the creation of the world around us. And make no, uh, don't be confused about it. Everybody has that pool, right? We all have that conscience. We're all on that journey. We're searching for that thing that's missing in our life. It's Jesus Christ, okay? And so the people who continually are, well, maybe this will make me happy or that will make me happy or this will make me happy and they're searching for all of the answers in the world, they're not gonna find it because the answer is Jesus Christ. This verse is also not an excuse for us to not share Jesus Christ. I want to be clear about that too. Okay, well, there's a tree in their front yard. They should know better, right? Like that's nonsense. We can't, we, we, we can't cling to that either. And, and there are a lot of Christians that do because, well, it's uncomfortable to talk to people. And what if they don't like me, right? Well, get over yourself. Uh, it's for Jesus, okay? So if you have a problem, I guess, talk to the Lord. Uh, I'm saying that facetiously, but also not at all. So uh, you should probably talk to him. Um, There is also an, you have encountered Jesus, so go and sin no more precedent that is set in scripture, right? 
So everybody is accountable, but at the same time, there, there, there are these moments in scripture we see, particularly the woman at the well, uh, the adulterous woman where Jesus kneels down and he draws the line in the sand and he says, hey, you without sin, cast the first stone. He departs with a similar message to a lot of people. Hey, go and sin no more. Now that you're aware, now that you know me, now that you have experienced Jesus, now that now that, that is uh, in your life, go from this point and don't sin anymore. Salvation starts now, Right? Like, you know Jesus, literally zero excuses. And um, I think that both of these things really point to the idea that when you recognize God, you're to go forth in faith. When you recognize God, you're to go forth in faith. The second thing to consider as far as when salvation, uh, the, as the, the when of salvation is, when is it too late? When's it too late? And uh, in short, that answer is it's never too late, okay? Uh, really, the answer is, uh, I guess, when you have breathed your last, right? That's like when it officially becomes too late. But if we look at Luke chapter 23, verses 42 and 43, it says, and he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, when did Jesus make that statement? When he was nailed to the cross and another gentleman who was being crucified next to him for crimes that he did commit and deservedly needed this punishment and knew that, sought forgiveness at the very end, at the very end. And what did Jesus tell him? Today you will be with me at paradise. I have seen people come to know Jesus in their 80s. I've seen people come to know Jesus in their 90s. I've seen people crash out Okay, we've all heard stories, people crash out like on the table and come back and are like, holy cow, it's real. That, I mean, God's working, right? But after that moment, accept Christ as their personal Lord and Savior and move forward in faith. The fact of the matter is that it's never too late. And one of the things that I should have added and I didn't add, but again, it, there was a lot of stuff on the chopping block. I mean, maybe I'll do a whole series on salvation sometime. I don't know. But I think we all need to remember this. We're told in scripture that love is found in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, right? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So in the midst of our turmoil, in the midst of our failures, in the midst of feeling like we are too far gone and we'll never measure up and we'll never be worthy, uh, newsflash, you're never too far gone, but also you'll never be worthy, okay? Uh, good news is that wasn't a requirement for Jesus. He didn't come to die for people that were worthy. He came to die for people that needed forgiveness, right? And so while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so there's just never a point when salvation is not appropriate. There's never a point in our life where we can't say, yeah, you know what? I'm walking this way, but I think I'll turn and go in that direction. I think I'll just go the opposite. And hear me, it's not like you accept Jesus Christ and all of a sudden everything's perfect. It's not like you accept Jesus Christ and those addictions go away. It's not like you accept Jesus Christ and all of a sudden you're uh, in scripture every single day and things just never look the same again. Can that happen? Absolutely. Nothing's impossible for God. But is that the normal course of action? I want you to be aware of that as well. No. Salvation happens immediately. Justification is a, a process right? It happens over years of being in relationship with Jesus and really taking those shears and pruning off the parts of us that need to be cut away and left behind, okay? But salvation is for all of us. Here, here's the gospel. 
You want to share the gospel? I think we overcomplicate things at times. Here's the gospel. Everyone sins. Everyone sins. Everyone. You want to get somebody's attention? First thing you do when you're sharing your faith, admit to your sin. Tell them the ways that you sinned. Tell them the ways that you screwed up. Tell them the ways that you still sin. Everyone sins. And the wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve. That's what we have to pay. But, but, Christ sacrificed himself so that you might and I might experience forgiveness. And he's the only way to do it. He's the only way to get to heaven. He's the only way to find this forgiveness. We have to go through him. And there's always hope. There's always hope. You're never disqualified. You're never, ever disqualified. There are things that happen on this earth that would cause me as a human being to want to disqualify you. There are things that you can do that I am going to struggle to forgive you for. But if I'm being honest and if I'm being truthful, as difficult as it is to say, everyone can have forgiveness. No one has been disqualified. And there are other sermons you can go back. That doesn't mean that we uh, don't protect ourselves. That doesn't mean that we don't keep ourselves safe. That doesn't mean that we don't set boundaries. That doesn't mean, guys, that we just have to uh, lock arms and skip down the street with everybody we come across. Okay, I want to be clear about that. But forgiveness is truly for everyone. Forgiveness is truly for everyone. Now, isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? Amen. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now and I thank you for this day. And I am just so thankful that you are a God who loves us enough to continually give us chances to, uh, Lord, send your son so that we could experience salvation. I am so thankful to you, Jesus, that you willingly went to the cross, that you accepted your faith, that you came to this earth knowing that you were born to die and that you didn't hide from that and that you didn't run from that. And Lord, we know you did that because you love us. You love us. The wages of sin is death and, and we all sin and we all fall short of the glory of God. And, and none of us can do this on our own, but the great news is we don't have to. We don't have to because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And that gift, that free gift of grace, that is salvation, that is redemption bought for us by the blood of Jesus and the broken body of Jesus that's available to all of us. We're in awe of it. We're in awe of it. And it's hard for us to comprehend, but your ways are not our ways. Your thoughts are not our thoughts. And isn't that also good news? Isn't that also good news? Lord, I pray for each and every person that is in this room today. If there is something in their life that is separating from you, I pray that you will convict them of that and that you will help them to remove that from their day to day. 
Lord, if there's somebody in this room who has not turned themselves over to you, who has not submitted themselves to your leadership, who has not said, God, that I recognize that I am sinful, that I need forgiveness, I repent of my sin, and Christ, I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. If there's somebody in this room that has not done that, Lord, may we take care of that today because everything else in this world can wait. Business meetings, football games, lunches, all of it. Nothing is more important than somebody coming into the family of God. And so, Lord, if there's somebody out there today that needs to have that conversation, that needs to submit to you, that needs to begin this process in their life, Lord, I pray for them. I pray that you convict them. I pray that you will not allow their feet to stand still where they are sitting or where they are standing and that you bring them forth so that they can be in an eternal relationship with you. We ask these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Stand with us. Let's worship. If you need prayer for anything in life, that's what I'm here for, and I would love to pray with you. Uh, I haven't done this in a while, but I'm going to try to give you some options. Joy, would you mind to, to stand and pray with people? Um, Joy's going to be kind of back here to the left. Rodney, I'm going to use you too. Uh, if Rodney will be back over there to the right. If for whatever reason you just can't come in front of all the eyes on you. And I understand that there are options to pray with you. And I know that we have some great people in these seats who will pray with you. If you just want to tap one of them on the shoulder and ask, they would love to do that. Okay. But if you would love to pray or like to pray or need to pray or whatever reason prayer needs to happen, come see me. All right. Use our stage as an altar. Otherwise let's worship. Let's worship. Let's worship.